Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at... This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells with Talk to Tom. Sponsored by Greenway Dodge. Welcome back, everybody, to Talk to Tom. I'm so glad you're here with us this week. My name is Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells. I've been here on the powerful WKMG for almost a quarter of a century now. Today, we're going to talk about a fascinating subject that you are all more than familiar with. We're going to talk about love bugs. Love them, hate them, can't stand them, tired of washing them off your car. Have you noticed there aren't that many of them this year? It's been really strange. They normally come around every September and all of a sudden, there's just not many of them. We're going to talk to the experts about that. But first, as we do every week here on Talk to Tom, we're going to answer your questions. Remember, you can always send in your question here at clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom to join our conversation this afternoon. Our first question comes to us from, oh, she's live. Here's our friend, Andrea Piccarelli. Hey, Andrea, what is your question Hello, for Talk Tom. to Tom? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm um, doing my great. Question, my question for you yes. is, what do you do at the National Hurricane Conference, and how does it help you and your team prepare for hurricane season? Oh, okay. Uh, the National Hurricane Conference happens almost every April. And what it is, is it's a big national conference that's hosted or put on by a group out of Tallahassee. So it's very Florida-based. It's not always held in Florida, but it's Florida-based. We get a lot of Florida input. And they either have it somewhere that is coastally impacted or has a coast that is impacted. Like it's been in Baltimore. It's been in Miami, Atlanta, New Orleans a bunch. It's in Orlando just about every other year recently in the last decade and a half. But what happens at this conference, Andrew, is that um, all the experts from like hurricane forecasters to uh, hurricane center people, the, the director of the National Hurricane Center, all of his underlings are there. And we do it in April, they tell me, because it's a month when we never, ever, ever had tropical storm developed. But um, sometime in the last 20 years that changed and we did have a tropical system develop in April, but they still do it every April. And what happens at the conference is that I get to meet with all those people and they get to share their knowledge of new stuff. I get to learn historical stuff. Um, sometimes they'll have the former directors come in and tell stories of the old days, what they remember of what forecasting was like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Tricks they had that do not relate to tricks we have today, but might be able to help us a little bit forecasting. So it, it makes me a, a better forecaster and more knowledgeable, and B, it makes me a better communicator. If I can start talking about hurricanes in the past, and I go, oh yeah, we have not had a hurricane come in there since like 1960, when Hurricane Donna did bang, 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 or Hurricane whatever did that, or Hurricane this one did that, or Betsy, or I can start to name them all down through the history of hurricanes from 54 all the way down to this year, depending on what I've seen, what I know is ongoing, and uh, that's what goes on at the Hurricane Conference. We, we learn all the latest technology. We learn a lot of old technology. And we have hands-on access to the government forecasters from the National Hurricane Center. And as much as I'm on TV talking about hurricanes, as much as we're doing weather, we don't get that on a day-to-day -day basis. Normally, they're a message on a computer to me or a story that I'm reading or something they posted on the AP Wire rather than face-to-face -face interaction. So it always helps me to go, oh wait, 
That's from Jamie Rome. Yeah, give me that. I know what he's talking about. That's the splash model, the slosh model. Give it here. He's talking about flooding. I want to see that. And so that's what goes on. Um, I hope I answered your question. And so sometimes other team members go. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just will question me when I get back. Would you, anything big come out of that? And there's always two or three takeaways. Might there be 1,400 takeaways, but always two or three really big takeaways from every conference that you can share easily enough. Uh, Andrew, where are you from? You live here in Orlando? Yes, yes, I live here in Orlando. Okay, so you've been watching Channel 6 a long time? Oh, yes, um, since before um, Matt Austin joined the team. It's <laughs> been quite a few years. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. Yeah, he's been, he's been with me on the night side for at least nine, almost ten years now, I think. It's been almost a decade, and he was here three years before that doing mornings and noon. So yeah, Matt's been around a lot. Uh, is Matt Austin the reason you watch Channel 6? Um, him and Lisa and Ginger. <laughs> and not Tom? Well, of course you, you're my favorite meteorologist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you were about to lose me there for a moment. So yeah, I watch for Matt, Ginger, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Well, Sandra, thank you for your questions. Not only this one, but the ones you've sent in the past too. I really appreciate your support. Thank you for being on Talk to Tom. All Thanks right. For having me. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, even though it's just virtually. Hope to see you in person right. sometime. All right. Have a great well, same day. Same here. Thanks. <laughs> you bye too. Bye Thanks. Bye bye. All right. Next question comes to us from our friend Joanne Coleman. Joanne wants to know can you explain how the hurricane models work? Okay, Joanne, here we go. There's two kinds of weather forecasting. I get into this a lot here on Talk to Tom. We have observational weather. What, what we do is look at temperatures pressures, wind speeds, humidities, that sort of thing. Observing what is going on. That's a big part of weather forecasting. What was it doing six hours ago? What is it doing now? Do we have wind support that has changed? Has a front come through? Is there a front in Northern Florida that's moving this way? We take observational weather and take those numbers and stick them into what we call numerical weather prediction or numerical models. And those numerical models run algorithms, figure out what's going on with the current conditions, how that worked in the past, and makes a mathematical projection of where things are gonna be moving next. And based on height changes, on pressure charts, and observational weather, the numerical models figure out where they think things are going. We in turn look at those numerical models and figure out if we think they're accurate. We use them for guidance, it's called guidance for a reason because you want it to guide you in the right direction so you can make a forecast based on what you're seeing observationally based on what the numbers are saying and you go hmm i think today this model's out to lunch like uh, on the day that we're recording this rain chances on one of the models for tomorrow are supposed to be 70 or 80 percent and then i look at the model and i'm going wow that looks more like maybe 50 percent of the viewing area is going to get rain. I think I might back off those rain chances. So that's how models work. And that's how hurricane models work. They take all the numbers from the flights that go through, all the hurricane hunter flights, all the drop zones. They take the pressure readings, the wind at the different levels, take all that numerical information, plug it into the models, and it prints out the path or it works specifically on the strength because they're models that are designed to do different things. And frankly, in the last 
20 years, we've done a fantastic job of figuring out the tracks of most hurricanes. We have. We hardly ever miss it. The, the range of error on day four and day five has shrunk tremendously, tremendously in the last two decades. The strength is another factor altogether. Trying to forecast the strength of the upcoming hurricane or what our hurricane is going to do gets very, very tough. So there you go. All right. Our friend Kim wants to know what causes those intense shelf clouds that move in to the coast. Okay. Great question, because we get a lot of them here in central Florida, right on the coast normally. A shelf cloud is formed by the cold air pouring out of a maturing thunderstorm. You get a big thunderstorm that builds up. Cold air is coming out of that thunderstorm as the rain brings that cold air to the surface. And along the leading edge of the forward progress of the cloud is where that cold air kind of knifes into the ground and lifts warm air in front of it. As that warm air rises, it condenses right along the leading edge of a big cloud to form that that signature shelf look that you're talking about. And we do get a lot of them here in Central Florida as some of our mature thunderstorms are hitting the coast. All that moist, warm air over the ocean or close to the ocean starts to lift up and forms really pretty shelf clouds. And we can see them really well in relation to the water. So we get lots of great photos on our storm pens, indeed, of shelf clouds. And that's how they're formed, from the cold air pouring out of a thunderstorm, lifting warm air up that condenses right along the front of the big thunderstorms. All right. Thank you for those questions. We're going to wrap it up now because we've got a big second half of the show coming up. I think you're going to love it. You can always get it on the action by submitting your question to clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. Coming up, we're going to talk about some of the most annoying pests here in Central Florida, the love bugs. And why are there suddenly... So few of them. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of Talk to Tom. I'm Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells. Earlier in the show, we did what we always do here on Talk to Tom. We took your questions. If you want to get in on that, you can always ship your questions to me at clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. Right now, we're going to talk about a subject that is either maybe one of your favorite subjects or one of your least favorite subjects. Today on Talk to Tom, we're talking love bugs. You know them, maybe you hate them. Heavens knows you've washed them off of your car. How does the weather impact the love bugs? You may have noticed there weren't as many of them swarming around this year, at least not yet. So we have called in the love bug expert, Dr. Norman Lepa of the University of Florida in Gainesville. Doctor, welcome to Talk to Tom. How are you today? Just great. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. You know, we, we all deal with the love bugs here in Central Florida. It's one of the first things I noticed when I first moved to town low a quarter century ago. What season do we normally see the love bugs? Well, they come in the spring. Mm -hmm. and they come in the fall and so you're talking about uh, may and september with a little variation depending on whether you're in the south or in the north part of the state okay uh here in here in orlando i remember i moved here in uh, the middle of october and there were still some around but it was nothing like what happened the following in may where they all came back out people generally um, will ask me questions about 
what's going on with this, that, and the other thing. Why are we seeing fewer love bugs? I haven't seen as many this September at all. In September, October, you know, we're rolling right into late autumn here or early autumn. So what's up? Where are they? Well, they've been declining for years. Uh, as you know, years ago, they were just massive numbers, uh, even causing problems on our highways. But now mm -hmm. they've kind of uh, slowed down. And for the last few years, fewer and fewer. Now they're spotty. There are some places where you will have love bugs, but in general, uh, we're just not seeing them anymore. And it's not subtle. They're really not here this season. It's really weird for me. I, I saw um, something happen just the other day. I think I was cleaning out the garage and I saw one. Oh my gosh, a couple of love bugs are here in our yard. And I looked around and went, well, they're kind of lonely. It was just one, one pair hooked up. Um, haven't seen any others. Why is that? And is weather playing a role in the fact that they've declined? Well, all of the insects uh, are uh, cold-bodied, as they say. They, they can't control their temperature, so they're subject to weather. Their development is subject to temperature, humidity. Love bugs are particularly vulnerable to drying out or to drowning, so they have to find just the right place. And maybe this year and in past years, that hasn't been uh, happening, hmm. but there are other factors. So we don't know if it's weather or if it's something like a pathogen or it's some sort of a, a perhaps predation. So could it have been the heavy rain we had last year? All the big flooding then, could that have washed away their habitat or their their eggs or their breedings or whatever? Do you think it could have been that, that rain or, or the fact that we were dry through other times? Well, Florida is so variable in, in climate and habitat that you wouldn't see this decline based on one thing like weather. Mm. Uh, we're seeing a decline in, in a number of insects. People are certainly aware of the decline in pollinators, and we don't know what's causing that either. And I'm not in your business, but I would say it's been alarming and dramatic, especially if we don't know why, that all of a sudden they're gone. And not that I'm going to miss them. <laughs> I mean, they've damaged more paint on more automobiles for me in the last 25 years than I can count. But it is, it's just alarming and weird to think that all of a sudden they're gone. And we didn't spray them and we didn't do anything to them. It just appears to be almost like not total. It's not a total extinction, but it's weird, right? It's been very dramatic. It is alarming, but it happens. Uh, we see it in quite a few endangered species where we get down to very, very few and hope that we can retain those and not lose them. Uh, you know, we're getting so many changes in our environment now and, and the habitats are changing and development and um, everything that we do to the environment has an impact on these organisms. And so we see some of them. Uh, good example is fireflies. People are wor worried about fireflies being gone. Uh, these are things that happen and, and we really don't know why. Most people like me are tired of cleaning them off. I'm a big motorcyclist as well. I didn't like them in my face. But um, is there something good about love bugs that maybe I shouldn't be celebrating their demise? Do they, are they part of the food chain for some other big bug? Or is there something they do for us that we don't know about? Well, I mean, there are so many attitudes about insects. Some people just love them and some people hate them. But love <laughs> bugs came here in, uh, in the basic around 1950 or so from uh, Texas. And prior to that, they were in Yucatan. So hmm. they can just go back. And I think most people won't care. They'll be quite happy. And the environment uh, was just fine without them. So the main concern is, is 
there are people that are worried about the environment and look for indications that there may be something to be alarmed about. So I don't think this is alarming, but I do think it's, it's really good that people are aware of organisms in the environment and insects included. Okay, when you say they came from Texas and the Yucatan, the big myth, and I'm sure you've heard that, was that they, they were brought here on purpose or bred here on purpose, or it was a NASA thing, they made them, or some scientific laboratory gone bad. That's not true, that you said they came naturally, did they just migrate here or were they brought here for a reason? Uh, they basically migrated. Uh, they probably had help from from people, transportation, movement of goods. Um, hmm. You know, they're in turf. Turf has been moved across the uh, uh, Gulf states. Um, so, you know, you, you just have to um, accept that they came and accept that they have uh, started to leave. I think I might actually kind of like that as opposed to the lightning bugs as we called them when I was a child or the fireflies as other people call them. I grew up in the Mid-South, not in Central Florida, even though people think I've been here forever. I, uh, I did grow up in Middle Tennessee where, where lightning bugs were, or fireflies were prevalent, prominent, everywhere at night just shooting up. Here in Central Florida, I've never seen that many of them in the last 25 years. Like love bugs, they're larvae or they're their immature stage is in the ground, running around as predators. And so they're very, very dependent on the habitat, just like love bugs. So as those habitats are lost, then you lose that species. All right, Dr. Norman Leppa from the University of Florida. I can't thank you enough for being here today. It's really interesting to think that the love bugs could actually be going away, maybe forever. Who thank knows? you for joining us, sir. I appreciate it, doctor. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. So there you go. Remember, you can get in our conversation here on Talk to Tom simply by submitting your question to clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. We'll check you out next Thursday right here on News 6 or anytime on News 6 Plus. And while you're there, be sure to check out Florida's Fourth Estate with Matt Austin and Ginger Gadsden. I was engaged in a Publix. I'll tell you that story another time. That's but Publix true. subs are like deep within my childhood as somebody who grew up in Florida. When I think of the beach, I think I'm just grabbing a rolled up public sub yep. and headed there. Florida Foodie with Candace Campos and Lisa Bell. We have heard fantastic things <laughs> about your restaurant, the best seafood around. Solutionaries with Lewis Bolden. How about a hurricane-proof neighborhood? Our Jacksonville crew made the trek to Southwest Florida to see the community that stood up to Hurricane Ian. And riff on this. Where meteorologist Samara Kikinos gives us an inside look at Central Florida's incredible music industry. And I do remember my sister dancing in front of a mirror to, uh, um, it takes two to make a thing all right. Mm -hmm. I always remember that. I'm like, and I think, you know, I just fell in love with, with, with hip hop from that point. You can also check out our live cams. Hundreds of people sit down just to enjoy the beach from home, overlook the city beautiful, or watch the cruise ships come in. It's all available free on News 6 Plus. Just download the app on your TV and start watching.